The Artist Life Podcast is brought to you by Real Creative Heart. Heavy the head that reps the crown. With love, your greatness is found. So rep your crown. Live from Greensboro, North Carolina, Art is Life. Welcome to the Art is Life podcast with your host, Russell C. Holt, where we sit down with artists from all career fields and we discuss their perspectives on their art and what it means to them in life. So sit back, have fun, and enjoy the ride. Hey guys, thank you for joining me on another episode of Art is Life. I'm your host, Russell C. Holt, and I am joined today with a jack-of-all-trades in the musical theater department here at UNC Greensboro. Um, He is a music director here at the school as well as he's been on Broadway. Um, He's traveled the world. Um, The two of his main productions that are he's known for is Wicked. He was associate music director for that, as well as uh, Prince of Egypt. He was a Grammy nomination, uh, nominated uh, artist with that, with, for, the, for the songs, for the music. Yeah, for, for, the, the, for the soundtrack, yeah. Yes. Um, and he is a pretty good guy. Pretty great. <laughs> pretty. Pretty good pretty guy. Pretty good. Pretty good guy, um, <laughs> you know. Um, I, um, I unfortunately haven't had a the time to you know spend with him you know during my school time outside of a couple weeks ago uh working with him on some music and i already knew that he was a good person to want to rub shoulders with and stuff like that (laughs) uh courtesy of some of my other cohort members uh well jess as being the the one shout out jess hirsch yes jess hirsch (laughs) um but without further ado guys i would like to introduce you to dominic um Amendum. Amend, amendum. 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 Dominic, Dominic Amendum. It's I gotta, a hard one. I got to start asking. Yeah. How to no, it's, a, it's a hard one. <laughs> so thank you, Dom, um, for joining me today. I really appreciate your time and welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's great to, uh, to join you. Well, uh, so let's start off for those who don't know. Uh, I'm probably butchered all like the, the, the info <laughs> that, I, that I have, but um, why don't you tell everyone, um, you know, how you started and, you know, how you got here? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think it, it depends on how, you know, how much time do we have, how far back you want to go. Um, when, when, I was a, when I was a young kid, I was the kid who just like couldn't get up from the piano. I, I, my parents talk about how I would um, wake up early before school and be downstairs in the like rec room practicing the piano at like five thirty, six in the morning, you know, mm-hmm. before I went, to, went off to school for the day when I was in like middle school and stuff. So, um, you know, I think it was always kind of a, uh, a foregone conclusion that I was going to do something in it with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when I, when I got into high school, I got the idea that I wanted to go to med school which some days I wonder why I didn't follow through with that, to be honest. But, um, but you know, I got this this thing in my head that I, I wanted to go to med school. And um, and I'm one of the lucky ones that has parents that were that sat me down and were like, um, why do, like, are you doing that? Because you think that's like what what you do, what, you, what you're supposed to do, or are you doing that because that's your passion? Because from where we sit, 
we see that you have a very distinct passion for music, you know. So, um, so kind of my parents kind of refocused me uh, on like you know what what my life's work should be, I think. And um, so I went to college for classical piano performance, um, and actually went here to UNCG, um, and. Uh, Knowing the whole time that I wasn't going to be a classical pianist, I, I frankly am not good enough to be a, an actual classical pianist, um, and I I just don't like being alone in a practice room that much. You know, mm -hmm. I I can't. I'm never I've never been one that could do eight hours of practice a day. Like you know, you really need to do. Right. Um, but it was for me. It was a means to an end. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and after I left uh, school here, I moved to New York City. I you know I. Um, I saved up a little money over the summer and moved to New York. Um, actually moved to New York on September 8th of 2001. So uh, three days before September 11th happened was okay. when I arrived in New York City. Um, but, uh, but you know, then I just kind of never looked back. I, I started doing the thing you do when you move to New York and just pounding the pavement and looking for work and um, booked some national tours about a year later and my career just kind of started from there. Nice, nice. <clears throat> now, yeah, that's interesting that your parents st steered you away from the typical med school, med yeah. school. yeah like <laughs> exactly usually, yeah they're, i mean the they're opposite, it's yeah. kind of kind of a stupid move on their part right yeah i, I wonder mean, if now they're like not, Damn. not anymore <laughs> yeah well maybe but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's, so are you originally from north carolina we i grew up in upstate new york oh um, so did, well oh, I'm, really? I'm from buffalo so oh really okay <laughs> yeah. i'm from like binghamton syracuse oh, okay yeah, um, yeah yeah uh like fully in the farm country um mm -hmm. we I, I grew up on my my great uncle was a dairy farmer so mm -hmm. I, I grew up like pretty much on the farm um so maybe that's why i practiced the piano so much because there was really nothing else to do right. um you know to be honest um and so uh then we moved down here when i was starting high school so i went okay. i we moved to charlotte um and my parents and uh, my two sisters are still in that in that area okay nice nice that's cool cool yeah. so after doing the tours and stuff like that, um, how long did you do that for until you decided that teaching was yeah. part of? Yeah, a, a while. I mean, really, um, about fifteen years. I was I was based in New York, um, uh, even a little longer than that. I guess like seventeen, eighteen. Um, uh, and you know, I I'm lucky enough that I still get to work in the industry. Um, mm -hmm. My what really attracted me to teaching i you know i uh, after i'd done you know wicked and some of the big shows and stuff i um i was actually approached by <clears throat> uncg to come down and do uh some master classes and just kind of engage with the students at that point the students in the school of music because there was no musical theater program in the school of theater and um so i came down in um i think it was like early february and it, of course, naturally, it was one of those um, early February days where Greensboro, North Carolina, gets like an inch of snow, mm -hmm. but then the entire <laughs> city shut shuts down. down. So, um, so I came down for like two days to do these master classes, and um, everything was canceled. School was canceled. You know, like so, I I didn't do them, mm -hmm. um, and so I like just drove down the highway to my parents' house and hung out with them for a couple of days, and. Um, but then, as I was driving down the highway to my parents' house, my phone rang, and it was. Um, Linda Brady, who was the former chancellor of, of the university, asking me if I'd come back in May and be the commencement speaker for the university commencement. And so I did that, and then they kind of asked me to continue coming down and kind of visiting professor kind of situation. Mm -hmm. 
and you know, I, I, I said yes because I thought, oh, that would be kind of cool, dip, change of pace, and you know. And then once I started doing it, I really, um, really fell in love with teaching. I, I, I come from a long line of teachers. My parents are both, you know, teachers, and my brother is an educator. And so, um, yeah, just like I kind of, I got the bug, and I realized how inspiring in a very different way than what my work in the industry is, mm -hmm. um, teaching is. And, um, and then the program was growing, and the interest in the program was growing. And so when they came to me uh, almost four years ago now and said, would you come down full time, but be an artist in residence? So my position here is to teach and run the musical theater program, but also to continue my work in the industry. Um, that's the expectation, is that I will continue to nice. do outside work. So it's kind of a best of both worlds scenario yeah. for me, you know? So like artists of, artists of residency, that's pretty much they expect you, they want you, they encourage you. Exactly, to go yeah. Out you know, like in academia, you, you know, you, you serve on committees and you do, you know, research and service and all that. My research and service is my continued work right. in the, in, in the world. So yes, um, that's like the best of both worlds. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky. And uh, speaking of that, um, as I mentioned before, um, Wicked and Prince of Egypt are like the two main ones, like recently that people would know, mm -hmm. um, that you were a part of, um, how did you get involved with those? And like, do you want to just touch and like touch on that whole experience? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, so, I mean, Wicked, you know, uh, we talk all the time in this industry how, like, it's it's who you know, it's the kind of networking you do. In my career, you can you can trace everything back to those first jobs, you know, those mm -hmm. first few things I did in New York when, I, when my career was just starting. Um, and then you see, like, the progression of work that comes, that mm -hmm. comes along the way if, you, you know, if, I think if you meet the right people and do the right kind of work. So um, I, I did... Um, I did a couple national tours. I had uh, small national tours, like kind of bus and truck, um, non-equity, split week kind of kind of shows, and um, uh, and those were great experiences and really good kind of training ground for a young music director. And <clears throat> I met some amazing people who have gone on to amazing careers. And um, and then in between those two tours, I was back in the in, in New York for a little bit, and I decided I was going to drop off letters at all the stage doors of all the Broadway theaters. Um, to all the music directors working mm -hmm. on Broadway at that at that point, mm -hmm. and um, it just as you know, and it wasn't like a hire me letter. It was just a kind of like introduction letter of right. like, hey, I'm Dominic. I'm new. I <clears throat> just moved to the city, and um, and uh, so I did that. And one person got got back in touch with me, a music okay. director named Bob Billig. So all you need is one. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so Bob Billig, who um, was a huge part of my early career. Um, he was the original music director of Les Mis and Miss Saigon and Little Shop of Horrors and like all these amazing musicals, you know, uh, that I, I kind of grew up on. Mm -hmm. And um, he was going to go out as the music director on the first national tour of Wicked, which was going to be, you know, a big, you know, the first year we only played four cities. It was mm -hmm. like a, a big kind of fancy national tour. And mm -hmm. so, so he asked if I would be interested in being his associate. Mm -hmm. um, and I, so I went through a kind of interview and audition process, of course, but, um, but I was his associate conductor for the first little bit of the tour. Then I took over the tour. And then um, I put up the Los Angeles company. And then I took over the Broadway company. Mm -hmm. And at that time, when I took over the Broadway company as music director, I um, uh, also became the associate music supervisor for for all the Wicked. So I was overseeing casting. And I'd go out and um, 
visit the tours and do, you know, upkeep and, you know, just kind of was overseeing all the companies, the kind of music aspect of all the companies. Um, and I did that for a long time for, um, you know, I conducted the Broadway show for almost eight years and I was the music supervisor for uh, like about 11 years. Um, so it was a long time of my time in New York. Long tour. It's yes. It's, How many um, shows did that consist oh, of? Oh, I mean, thousands. <laughs> now, I, you know, are did you have to be there present every like? Because you were, are you performing? I mean, I was conducting the, the Broadway yeah. company. I was conducting. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, but again, the I it was the best of both worlds scenario because I was the conductor of the Broadway company, the music director of that company. But because I was overseeing all the other companies, I was traveling quite a bit mm -hmm. and. and um, going and visiting the other shows and stuff. So I would get breaks from mm -hmm. the kind of day-to-day -day conducting of the show, mm -hmm. which I think was the reason I was able to do it as long as I did because mm -hmm. it wasn't like it was just like <laughs> right, right, right. show, yeah, show, yeah. show, you know, show after show. Beautiful. But even, even so, I have seen or conducted Wicked, you know, thousands of times, like literally thousands of times. Have you seen a production of Wicked that you weren't a part of? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I've seen it internationally that, you know, like things that I wasn't yeah. Are, directly involved in. Do but you find yourself critiquing or I, seeing as a I, fan? I, or I like... can't. I have a really hard time going to any musical and, oh, not, without critiquing. and not critiquing. I feel like I'm like at work. Oh, you, yeah, you know, like it's, gotcha. um, I, I tend to like to, if I'm going to theater, I tend to really like to go to straight plays mm -hmm. um, uh, because that I feel like is far enough removed from what I do that I can kind of unplug a little bit. You know? Right, right, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, so I did Wicked for a really long time. And then again, things lead to other things. So having worked on Wicked for so long, I um, have become, uh, you know, a, a close collaborator and, and friend with Stephen Schwartz, who wrote Wicked mm -hmm. and also wrote Pippin and Godspell and, you know, all these other amazing things. And um, he's the songwriter of Prince of Egypt, the original, mm -hmm. uh, the DreamWorks animated feature. And so um, I came on board Prince of Egypt uh, from the very first readings um, as his arranger and um, uh, music supervisor on that project. And I was on it all the way through the development of the show. And we opened on the West End, um, sadly, just before COVID, then mm -hmm. shut everything down in the West End. We did reopen after uh, a little bit. And um, so I, you know, again, kind of things lead to other things. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Uh, Hopefully there's some there's some future plans for Prince of Egypt in the works, and I have a couple other projects that are coming up uh, with Stephen Schwartz as well. So nice, some nice. good good stuff on the horizon. Hopefully, nice. We'll we'll touch base back on that question later. <laughs> but uh, as far as uh, so Prince of Egypt, like as I as I mentioned before, too, it was nominated for a Grammy. Um, how was that experience like? Like, did you did was that ever a goal? I'm probably not a goal, but like, was it? when you were a part of it, was that in the back of your mind that this is potentially something yeah, that could be nominated for? No, it really wasn't. I mean, it was, you know, I, for the most part, people who do what I do in the world of theater, arrangers, you know, music supervisors, there's not really awards for, like, there's no Tony Award for Best Music Director gotcha. or Best Arrangements or anything like that. And so, I don't know, I think you get in the mindset of kind of like, you do the work for mm -hmm. other reasons you don't you don't really think about that kind of recognition right um and but then when i knew the nominations were coming out i had definitely had the thought of like well you know this is a big like new production of a stephen schwartz show on the west end like hey there's like actually a mm -hmm. maybe a chance like I, once once the project was done and the, the album was done i definitely had the thought 
Um, and, you know, to be honest, the Grammy Awards are most of the people who are in that nominating world um, don't know a lot about theater albums. So I think a lot of it, too, is name recognition. And, you know, <laughs> to see the name Stephen Schwartz and Prince of Egypt, like, that goes a long way, too. Right. So I definitely had the thought, but I didn't want to speak of it to anyone. The only people I talked to about the fact that the nominations were coming out was I just spoke to my wife about it. And mm -hmm. so she knew that it was like kind of nomination day. And I was actually sitting here in my office mm -hmm. in the dark, watching the like live stream online of the nominations. Mm -hmm. Um, and when, um, when they read Prince of Egypt, um, uh, and my name like flashed up on the screen, I actually, I texted, um, Aaron Spear, my mm -hmm. colleague, um, who's, this was when we were over in the other building and mm -hmm. her office was just out, right down the hall from mine. And I texted her and I don't know if I can actually say what I actually texted, but I was like, I just got a mm -hmm. Grammy, <laughs> Grammy nomination. And I heard her door like fly open and I heard her like footsteps come, <laughs> come, like, come down the hall and my door like flung open and she was like, ah, you know, like, um, so she was the first person I actually got to share it with, share the news with, you know, and then obviously like my wife and my parents and, right. um, so it wasn't the, you know, it, it creeps into the back of your mind, but, um, yeah, it was like the Grammy, like, you know, I don't know. I, and I was, I, I'm a musician first and foremost, mm -hmm. like in a way that's, that's my, my life's work. So like to get a Grammy nomination was, was pretty, yeah pretty amazing. Yeah. And to like see it live that I'm yeah. sure that was like a crazy yes. surreal experience. For sure. Um, so I wanted to touch a bit cause you mentioned arranger, music director. Uh, can you touch base on what those entail? Yeah. Like the, yeah. Like, and like if there's any differences between the yeah, two. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, generally speaking, an arranger is, um, part of the writing process or part of the creative process. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so, you know, to, to use my, my work, um, on Prince of Egypt as an example, Stephen writes the songs and he writes the hooks and, you know, like it's always, it's always his vision and his ideas that then an arranger, um, expands on. Um, and so I, I wrote primarily the, the dance breaks, the, like the, dance music, the, any kind of scene change music and stuff like that mm -hmm. is you typically an arranger is doing that work. And then also just like taking the music vocal arrangements as well. Um, uh, you know, whenever the ensemble is singing, um, Stephen will usually write things, the melody, or he'll write like a couple parts or something like that, but I'll take it and kind of expand it to mm -hmm. like full ensemble vocals. Um, and then it's just kind of further expanding on his original motifs and ideas um so it would be maybe equivalent to like a playwright and a director kind type. of but but if but you know there are some directors that just i think it's like if you're developing a new show and okay. the director is is really like involved in the writing process mm -hmm. um so kind of but there's definitely a an aspect of 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 writing that mm -hmm. goes along with being an arranger um <clears throat> and then um uh a music director is someone who uh, is really tasked with just kind of um, uh, getting the show on its feet and maintaining the show and conducting the show and doing the kind of like day in day out musical uh, direction of the show. So an arranger is only someone who's really involved in a show in a brand new production, okay. or if you're reimagining a show, you know. Um, whereas a music director, you're going to find on on any show, it's you know, it's the person just kind of doing the day day to day. Gotcha. Uh have you ever written your own shows or 
I haven't. It terrifies me. I, I, I love arranging. I love kind of taking someone else's amazing ideas and mm -hmm. amazing work and kind of just like playing with it and expanding on it. And I love the collaboration that comes with that. Mm -hmm. um, writing scares me. <laughs> I, and honestly, like I, I would be the worst lyricist. Anytime I've tried to write lyrics, it sounds like Dr. Seuss on like a really bad day. It was yeah. just like, I'm not a lyricist in any way. So you know, I've, I've never, I've never had the bug to write. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe someday I will, but it's just not, so far it's not been anything that kind of struck, struck a chord with me. Right. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I know you said when you were growing up, you, you did classical piano. Mm -hmm. um, what is your focus now in terms of piano, or if there is? Yeah. I've I been mean, trying to learn how to play piano. Yeah. Like, prior to COVID, I was, I was doing it, uh -huh. and then... I stopped because I couldn't go to lessons anymore. Yeah. I mean, my focus, to be honest, is just to not suck at it. Like, I, like I, when I look at the stuff I used to be able to play when mm -hmm. I was, like, really studying classical piano, I'm mm -hmm. like, like, I couldn't dream of playing that stuff anymore. And granted, my career requires me to do different things now. Like, then I, I don't think I would have known how to, like, play with the rhythm section and groove at all. You know, like, so it's, I, mm -hmm. I, I play differently now than I did then, but... My technique is not what it used to be by any means. Um, so, and I don't get to play that much anymore. My my um, my work is I spend a lot of time at the at the computer, and I don't just mean like because I'm here, you know, working at a university. But even my work as an arranger and stuff is more almost like yeah desk work than really like playing work. You know what I mean? So. Um, yeah. I just don't get to do it as much anymore. So when I do have to, I, I get a little anxious now because I, I have oh. to like really um, fo focus yeah, like and really, like yeah. actually, you know, like practice a little bit and you know, like it's, it can be right. a little stressful. Yeah. And, and I know some viewers are probably like, when you said you went to all of these music directors and like dropped off your information, like yeah. what? Like, yeah, what, right. is, what does that even mean? Yeah, you mean, yeah. You mean you emailed everyone? Yeah, yeah exactly. No. Yeah, no, this was a. I mean, the the internet existed, uh, but it was a pretty yeah, new thing. It wasn't. It, it was, wasn't it was pre emails. Like, yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, I I dropped off letters. Yes. Yeah, so. I I actually also dropped off um, demo CDs oh. with the letters, which is like. That's, Does anyone even own a CD anymore? Right. You know, yeah, like. CD player. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. Yeah, a couple years back. Yeah, someone handed me a CD. I'm like, yeah. I don't even have a CD player yeah, in my car, so I exactly. can't. I, I can't do anything. I have with no this. way to play this. <laughs> yes. Um, so I wanted to touch because um, you have a wife and two kids. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you didn't have that when you were doing. But uh, how would you say you back then? Also, compared to now. With your family, how are you able to manage and juggle Balance, all the yeah. different? I mean, it's it's a challenge. It's you know a, a career in um, the arts, but also more specifically a career in theater. I think um, the hours we keep can make it really challenging. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of evening, you know, commitment. There's a lot of uh, you know weekend. You know, it's just it's just not a a career mm -hmm. that you can balance easily. Um, I think the industry is trying to address that mm -hmm. a, a bit more and more now, um, particularly kind of post post pandemic. Um, but it's hard, and honestly, that was like one of the one of the most amazing things um, about the pandemic for me was suddenly like everything stopped, mm -hmm. and it was the first time in my life that in my like 
professional life that I had nothing on my calendar. You know, right. like I'm also not a good, I'm not, I'm really bad at saying no. My wife will <laughs> tell you that. Um, and, uh, and I tend to overcommit, you know, so, um, uh, the pandemic was actually a kind of amazing time because mm-hmm. I got to actually, I feel like plug back into my family in a way that I, that I hadn't. Right. Um, and so now I actually struggle more, I think with being away. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I used to travel all the time. Um, that was a big part of the decision for us to move down here and kind of make this change was an attempt to kind of like mm-hmm. mitigate a little of that. Right. Um, and, uh, I just, a couple of weeks ago went to the Southeastern theater conference for like three mm-hmm. or four days and, I was like so ready to get home. You know, I, yeah. it's just, I think it's really different for me now. So it's definitely a challenge. Um, and I think for me, the, and what I think I'm better at, still not great at, but trying to get better at, is when I am able to be home, making sure that I'm, it's free of distractions mm-hmm. and, and really allowing myself to kind of plug in and be present for my kids and, and for my wife. And, you know, like that, goes a long way and it makes it feel less um awful when, right. when i'm not there you right. know what i mean yeah. when I, when then i have to leave an hour later and come back to rehearsal or something right. um if i've actually been present for the time i'm there that's that's the key that yeah presence yes yeah. i was thinking about this the other day like if i look back on my life it's like so many time like I, if i look back i'm like i've been i was sleepwalking like yeah. i was literally like because yeah. then you're looking like oh the time's gone so fast and like i'm in my 30s already i'm like i feel like i just graduated high school yeah. and it's like yeah. and it's just like a blur because yep. it's like you know we and you know in our generation weren't taught to you know be mindful and be present and stuff like that mm-hmm. and so this is something that i'm trying to work on and continuing to work on is you know being in the moment and stuff like that so it is definitely a, a work in progress yeah every day so but yeah yeah sure. no and i i applaud younger generations the the kind of open focus mm-hmm. on mindfulness and mental health and all these things that you know when i was i find that uh, undergraduate students come to me with um you know saying i i just need a day or you know things like this that i would have never said or done when I, when I was an undergrad. And I think that's not necessarily a a bad thing. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. not saying the way we did it was right. I I, I think it's, I think it's, um, striking the balance of, um, taking care of yourself and also still showing up and Mm -hmm. doing the work when, you know, like making the connections and all that, uh, to further your career, but it's gotta be a balance. And I think particularly in my young, um, career in my early days in New York and everything, I, did all of one and none of the other. I, right. I wasn't taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, but I was definitely taking care of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. finding that balance, I think, is huge. For sure, for sure, it's all yeah. And and we, we were just doing what we were taught, pretty much, right. and what we learned. And and even now, sometimes it could be a struggle for me to, you know, to like just, you know, sit back and relax. Absolutely. But, yeah. Um, drawing a blank. Uh, <laughs> so. Do you have any goals in crossing over to the film world or just strictly musical theater is No, your... I I do. I'm actually um <clears throat> that's I can't say a lot. Um <laughs> right, right, I've right, got, right. Some, okay, got some got some NDAs, but um but I do have some things in the works that would a couple things that were actually in the works pre-covid mm-hmm. um one of which has just kind of come come back to life a little bit mm-hmm. 
um, and a couple other things that hopefully over the next year or two I'll, I'll be doing some more work in that world. Um, it's definitely something that interests me, uh, and, um, and I've actually been lucky to do some of that work here at the university. I mean, that's right. very much how we pivoted during the pandemic. So in a way, I kind of got to learn a lot doing the work here on this kind of, you know, mm -hmm. smaller, kind of more academic scale. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think um, hopefully there'll be some, some things coming up in that, in that world, um, nice. which would be great. Yes. It'd be really nice. Well, you answered my question of what's next for you, <laughs> what, what's in the plans and the work, so yeah, mix yeah, I mean, that question. I don't have a lot of um, stage stuff in development right now. I've got a couple shows that are um, are kind of, you know, still stewing around, but um, and uh, I'm hoping for some continued life for the Prince of Egypt. Um, we were definitely not helped by COVID, you know, right. you know like... Um, and the, the producers who might have come and seen the show in London on the West End, primary, most of them didn't and weren't able to because of the mm -hmm. pandemic. You know, so we were hampered by COVID. So, but the, the producers are working really hard to um, make sure that that show has a continued life, which I really think it should. It's got such a great um, name recognition. You know, people right. love that film from, you know, like their childhood, many people. And so um, I really hope that we'll see more of that show. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I hope you'll you'll get to watch the credits of some film soon and be oh, like, yeah, hey, for sure, that guy. For sure, for sure. <laughs> um, do, how do you decide on what projects to work on? Like, would it, what's your yeah. criteria for that? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, I mean, listen, for a long time, you know, back to what we were just talking about with balance, for a long time, the answer was just yes, like, mm -hmm. you know, regardless of yeah. what it was. And, um, and I think now that I'm, very old and a little bit wiser. Um, I, I, um, I, I, I think, uh, first of all, I've come to realize that I'm not the right music director and arranger for every project. Um, and, uh, was that something you had to learn the hard way or just something you just became mindful of as you were? Yeah. I mean, I think through? I, um, I always got by, um, mm -hmm. I could always fake it, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. but like, um, it was, you know, I was never like let go from a project because they were like, oh, you're not the right person for right. this or anything. But there were definitely some projects that I did that I felt a little bit like mm -hmm. a fish out of water. And I was just kind of like, yeah. oh, I, right. you know, this isn't really my style of music or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so I think I'm, I'm able to be a little more mindful of that now. Because, I mean, honestly, just like, an, just like you wouldn't cast the same actor for two very different projects, you know, I think understanding like what your own limitations are and what you know so to not to use the the, the dreaded t word but kind of what your type is mm -hmm. <laughs> like like truly like right, what yeah. what what do i bring to to the industry and what what am i good at and you know mm -hmm. um so i think that is a big part of it now and honestly the change in my life to kind of be based here and be working at the university too now is um that i can really accept projects that interest me and excite me mm -hmm. and um I don't have to do things simply to kind of pay the mortgage, you, right. you know, which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. which is a nice place to be. Um, and so that's a big thing too now is if it's something that I feel I'm the right choice for, then the other question is just like, is this exciting to me? Is this something, is this saying something new? Is this, you know, just all of that. Um, yeah. uh, is it music that I love? Is it a composer that I've worked with who I love? You know, right. I think Stephen Schwartz could call me to like, I don't know. Yeah. He could he could be like, hey, I, I 
you know, wrote these four pages of the phone book down and I musicalized them yeah. and I'd be like, awesome. Like, you know, there, I just think he is a writer and what I do as an arranger, like we just, we have a shorthand that works really well together. So right. there's certain composers that I would work with anytime, any day. Yeah. It's all about, you know, those relationships mm -hmm. and how, you know, building the, those, those, I mean, that would probably be, would you say the most important thing when it comes to like navigating in this industry, like building those relationships and having, because even like in those situations where you say you maybe not feel like mm -hmm. you are right for the project, mm -hmm. but you, the person knows you well enough to, and they yeah. know who you, who you are as a, yeah. and um, Gully was actually talking about this yesterday um, when it came to like interviews and stuff like that. Just, you know, somebody that you, you know, could go and have a drink with yeah. or, you know, hang out with. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. So yeah. That, that's a huge part of it is, and I think, I think the personal part is a big part of it. Just do I like to spend, you know, when you when you mm -hmm. put up a new show, you're spending yeah. long days with these people and long weeks. And, you know, like Prince of Egypt, we developed that show over about six years before it opened mm -hmm. on the West End. So, you know, you are like bringing someone into your world mm -hmm. that you have to, you know, be able to at least put up with and hopefully like. Right. Um, but also I think for, for arrangers... Um, uh, because there is an element of, of writing involved, you know, like Stephen uh, sends me song, you know, songs mm -hmm. and or he'll record them, um, you know, he'll play and sing them or, you know, we, there's been various ways that he delivers material to me. And then I really take it and oftentimes will do a lot with it mm -hmm. and send it back to him. And, you know, like that's first of all, that's terrifying for, for any arranger, I think, yeah. to send it back to the composer and be like, hey, what yeah. do you think, you know? Yeah. Um, but to build that trust where a composer knows that you know what to do with their material. Right. Um, that's really big, and that, I think that's a huge part of it. And to build that relationship and that trust uh, and have people trust me to keep coming back to me and also for me to know that I can deliver what they're looking for. Um, mm -hmm. There's been other times in my career where I've looked at a song or listened to a song and I've just been like, I don't know what to do with this. Right. Um, yeah, it's having that honesty. Yeah, so, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, like knowing that just just that relationship of knowing that you're symbiotic, you know, mm -hmm. that that's um, that's really big for kind of the, the creative part of what I do. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, for music directors, I think that part of what I do is it's about getting the job done. You know, it's a, that's a, that's truly about like maintaining the show and mm -hmm. keeping things clean and, and tight. And, you know, just like, how do you, how do you run the business, so to speak? You know, right. like what kind of a manager are you? That's a big part of that. Mm -hmm. So again, like letting people know that you're good in that role and that's not just composers, that's directors and general managers and producers and people like that mm -hmm. who are going to put together a team. Right. No. <laughs> You mentioned long hours several times. <laughs> I'm not bitter though. I promise. <laughs> um, so, what what is it like an average day in the life of like a ranger and a musical director? Like when you get on a show? Or, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it depends on kind of like new show development versus just kind of like running a show. Right. Um, new show development it can be incredibly intense. Mm -hmm. um, you know the 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 most kind of like basic uh, development stage would be if you're doing a reading or something like that, mm -hmm. which, you know, you're doing like a 10 to six day typically in the studio with um, the cast. But then what 
is, you know, I, I mean, people understand this, but um, the unseen work is that then the arranger goes away at six o'clock, powwows with the composer about changes that they're going to make, mm -hmm. um, and then you're making them that night. Mm -hmm. And it's not enough just to make them in your head. You got to like write it down and get new versions of the music, and you got to email the stage manager or the PDFs and mm -hmm. tell them what to print for the next day. You know, like there's right. a tremendous amount of just kind of like, um, labor that comes into supporting the creativity. Mm -hmm. um, so it's more so at once, like, it's more overtime that's unseen in exactly. your own time. Exactly, type yes. Deal. There's yeah. a ton of that. Um, uh, and then, the, like, the most frightening version of that is the, the um, you know, you've, you've, you're about to put the show up, you've rehearsed it, the, the rehearsal days are incredibly long because it's that just mm -hmm. for a month. It's, right. you know, you're done at six, but then you're not done at six. You're, yeah. you're spending your evening rewriting things and tweaking things and creating new versions. Um, and then uh, you get the show up, you get through tech, and you start the preview process. And it's all of that. But you're, now you're not done till 11, mm -hmm. maybe 11.30 after you have a production meeting. So your work to make changes really starts, you know, at midnight mm -hmm. um, uh, or early the next morning because every change you make then has to be communicated to the orchestrator. They need to revise things for the orchestra. Mm -hmm. They need to pass them off to the copyist who then creates the orchestra parts. Um, so the, and as an arranger and music supervisor, you are overseeing that whole mm -hmm. operation. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so there's a there, there's the creativity, and then there's a tremendous amount of management, um, and that can get really uh, intense yeah. in, when you're putting up a new show, um, and really exhausting. And but you have to do it because the worst case scenario is that you've made a change that hasn't been communicated correctly to the orchestrator, mm -hmm. so the orchestra is on a different page than the cast. Yeah, I mean, it can things can yeah. unravel very quickly right. if you don't have a really specific. Um, workflow and process. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's, I'm not like totally exaggerating when I say that sometimes the work can be 19, 20 hour days, you know, yeah, like, like truly to just yeah. like manage it all. We, and actually doing the show on the West end, we had a, a wonderful, um, uh, ability because of the time change that I could send things to our orchestrator very late at night in mm -hmm. London and he would still have a couple hours to work at the end of his day, because he was in the States. Yeah. And so we, we were able to use the time change to our advantage, mm -hmm. but um, it's a it's an intense process. Yeah. Now, when you're when you're involved in that intense of a process, I'm sure, like, family like family life doing, like, it, it could get a little it, complicated it, 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 at times. Yeah, time, it, so. it goes to the back burner sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I hate to admit that, but, um, yeah. And I in that process, you know, I've done that process on kind of smaller low budget shows where mm -hmm. I'm like truly like mm -hmm. doing the work of four or five people yeah. and just trying to make it happen. And then I've done that process on big shows where you have a lot of support and mm -hmm. you can really delegate and you, and by that point you've built your own team of people mm -hmm. that you trust and you know, stuff's going to get done. So Would it's you, not all that bad, you know? Right, 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 right. <laughs> Would you say, and it's all, yeah, like we said, it's all about balance and, you know, got to pick and shoot, mm -hmm. you know, got to navigate. But for that length of time that you, for like, the new development or for previous like current shows where it's not where you don't have to do the development portion do you think that you guys get enough time like to do all that or oh, would you man. would because because we were talking reason i asked is because we were talking about this the other day about like when it comes to putting up shows as yeah. actors how 
you know, back back then they used to take like a year, long time, to like yeah. a, to develop like a play, and now it's just like a couple yep. months, and it's like ramp, you know. So, do you find that same? Um, I am of the mind that there's never enough time that that you always use the time you're given. I guess is maybe a better way to put that. Okay. So, <clears throat> you know. I, like I said, Prince of Egypt it was a six plus year process. So, mm-hmm. you know, like when you look at the whole development period, mm-hmm. it's a long process. And, um, but I have never done a show where on opening night, I'm not like, man, I wish we'd had one more week to right. make those final four changes. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything is ever, and I think as artists, you're always yeah. wanting to right. or fix just, more. Just as, or us to, as people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I've never done a show and just been like, well, d- done. Right, you know, like, yeah. cool. That's that's it. That's the version. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, in a way, it's the same thing with even not developing a show. You know, you think about just like, okay, if you're going to, like, do Oklahoma and, like, you know, open up the book and blow the dust out of the out of the binding and, like, do <laughs> Oklahoma. Right. A really, you know, normal version of Oklahoma. You can do it in a summer stock theater and rehearse it for five days mm-hmm. and put it up. Or you can do it you know, somewhere and rehearse for five weeks and put mm-hmm. it up, you're still going to put up Oklahoma. Like, I just feel like we always use the time we're given. You're right. Um, but when, when it's developing, I don't think it's ever enough, you know, right. like, yeah. and at the same time, there is a point where you have to walk away where you have to stop tinkering. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause maybe, yeah, you start <laughs> yeah, overanalyzing exactly. and then it ends up worse than what it Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You start making those changes that everyone else in the room is like, Oh, right. I think it was better before. Right. You know, <laughs> but that, that's a good point as far as like use it. It's not never enough time. It's just using the time that you're given. Exactly. Like playing the cards you're dealt yep. type, you know, just going with the flow type deal. Yeah, no, it's so true. But I think, and I th- for me, I think the real question about developing musicals, and I think it's the same for plays, is the like entire developmental process. So it's not just like it, it's the it's the war, not the battles. Right. You, you know, like it's not like oh this this one reading or this one uh, production. I wish we'd had another week or another mm-hmm. few days or whatever. It's more like that six year period and mm-hmm. what did we do during that time? Because right. um, there are some shows that are fast tracked and only that six year period is only, you know, six months or a year mm-hmm. or a year and a half. And that's fast to develop a big new musical. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so to me, that's the real question is that kind of overarching mm-hmm. development process and what's happened during that time. Cause I mean, you know, again, to use Prince of Egypt as the example, we did, I don't know, six, seven, eight readings. And just in a rehearsal studio in New York, mm-hmm. we did a dance development workshop. We, I met with, um, with our orchestrator, uh, with, um, uh, experts in kind of like Macedonian, uh, you know, like Middle Eastern instrumentation that brought in all these amazing instruments that I'd never heard of and played them for us. And show as we were like imagining what the show was going to sound like, mm-hmm. you know, like all of that development goes into the final product. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the bigger kind of question for me. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Cool, cool. I only got a couple more questions. I know, I know you're uh, a busy man, <laughs> <laughs> cutting into your time. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, do you have any specific routines or anything that you do on a daily basis to just make sure you stay sane? Oh, man, I wish I did. <laughs> I want, I want to be better at that. If I made New Year's resolutions, that would be my resolution, like every year, probably. But, um, I go up and down. I. I find that during the summertime, 
uh, now that I'm on like a bit more of a university schedule and mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, I try really hard to let my summers be a little more like focused on downtime. Mm -hmm. I, I was really good last summer on that, aided by COVID, of course. Yeah. There wasn't much else going well, on. Well, you but, know, summer's a great <laughs> season, you know. Well, there you go. Um, so during the summer, I'm better at um, working out and being active and I, running and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as my schedule gets busy, mm -hmm. the first thing that goes is my kind of, you know, yeah. self-care right. type, you know. Um, so I do want to, I, I want to try to be better at that and, and prioritizing that. And I'm lucky that my wife is someone who actually pushes me to do that. And it's like, mm -hmm. you need to take time for yourself. And you're, yeah. I mean, the if you read between the lines, she's she's saying like, yeah. you're better mm -hmm. right, <laughs> as right. a spouse and a parent if you do take that time, right. which she's not wrong about. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, right now my routine is like 18 cups of coffee in the morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, not enough sleep at night, you know, right, like, yeah. um, but, but also like, I don't know, I... It, it's just kind of how I've, you know, when you're putting up, right now we're in the midst of putting up the SpongeBob musical here. And um, I've never done a show that I feel like I'm like relaxed, right. you know, like it's, mm -hmm. it's just part of the process in a way yeah. it's busy. It's, yeah. it's intense. And um, uh, I think part of that will never fully change, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, so I'm, I feel like I'm also kind of right where I need to be right now. Right, right, right. Um, are there any shows that you want to do or, mm. um, yeah, that yeah. Like, looking, looking forward to doing yes. or want, Yeah. Um, I mean, I would love, I, I love the show once, um, the musical once, uh, when I saw it in New York, it kind of like just blew me away. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> I would really like to do that show someday. I'm not sure where it's a tricky show to do because it requires, actor musicians you know i mean it, it, it's a very specific uh show but um that's definitely on my list and um you know one of the other big ones is uh that those that those first tours that i was telling you about um the first one was cabaret mm -hmm. um and it was the it was the sam mendez studio 54 version but it was like the seventh year the original revival had toured and it was you know bus and truck and split weeks so we played opelika alabama and waco texas and markets <laughs> like that and you know like markets that weren't necessarily ready for the sam Mendes right. version of cabaret I'll, yeah. I'll leave it at that but you 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 know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. um and uh but to this day that is one of my favorite shows and favorite productions of a show ever um it is so powerful it's a show that was written what uh 60 years ago mm. um almost and um it still like hits you in the gut yeah. uh and timeless oh my gosh and i i actually just taught about it in uh, my musical theater history class last week and like that it's a fairly rowdy class which is kind of how i like my classes mm -hmm. and when we were talking about cabaret and i was showing them clips from the show like you could have heard like a pin drop in the room i just think it's yeah. an incredible show and i did it when i was 23 24 mm -hmm. and i would love to revisit it now um yeah as an adult right. just knowing more being a better music director just just knowing more being all a grammy nominated there you go yeah musician. but you know like i yeah i would just love to revisit that show um and i hope i can sometime soon cool cool <clears throat> um so yeah just what 
keeps you motivated to continue on mm. this journey? Which, what's driving you at this point in your life? Yeah, it's a good question. I might have to get back to you on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go have a good cry and then I'll tell you. Um, no, I mean, I think the, the big thing is collaboration. There's, there's not many, there's not many jobs you can do mm-hmm. in, in the world that are as collaborative as what we do as theater artists. Right. Um, and I've had the great opportunity to work with like some of the most amazing people, you know, and, and so many of the amazing people in my life are, um, because I met them collaborating with them, you know, so that just like the joy that comes from that and from getting a group of people together to just be wildly creative and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, and the thought that, you know, I, I, I get really annoyed by, um, reviews mm-hmm. because I the thought that no one sets out to like make bad theater like right. everyone, everyone is in this for the right reasons right. And everyone wants to put out something that's amazing and right. sometimes we hit the mark and sometimes we don't but like you know I just I, I think it's a pretty magical thing when you um, get right down to it and mm-hmm. again in music theater history class I was just talking we're talking about the televised musicals and like the challenges of doing musicals that way and stuff and um <clears throat> But, and I told the class, I was like, you know, there's the thing that I always tell people about what's so amazing about what I do is we talk all the time about like the magic of theater and like, you know, Mm -hmm. but when theater is at its best, there's this amazing energy that comes from the stage Mm -hmm. and there's this amazing energy that comes from the pit, from the orchestra. And there's this amazing energy that comes from the audience and the single place that all of that meets is right where the conductor stands on the podium. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that like feeling the the high and like it is truly a high that comes from um a great show mm-hmm. that that energy all just works together mm-hmm. um is something that like I can't find anywhere else yeah you know yeah yeah <laughs> and and I and I actually hate to say that because in some ways I am truly the only person in the house that has that, that seat right you exactly know? that has like, that experience yeah um but it's just there's something so magical about that feeling um, that's just, you know, like, it's like nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. That's very powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned collaboration and stuff like, did you, do you have, uh, I guess piggybacking off of my previous question, as far as like the shows, do you have any particular person you would like to work with or like that you were star struck with and love to to, like collaborate with? Oh, so many. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Dave Malloy is amazing. Uh, and a nice Mitchell, like a lot of these new composers that are writing just like the kind of new generation of, you know, great comet Hades town type shows. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I already said Steven Schwartz, who, you know, I just think is an amazing collaborator and writer. Um, um, there's definitely directors I would like to work with. Um, gosh, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I might have to no, need to all, no need to answer all of them. Yeah, anymore. yeah, right. <laughs> now I'm stressed. Just I'm like, who am I leaving off this list? That, um, no, but I mean, I and truly like, it's also like, I don't know. There people come out of nowhere, and you're like, there's a writer named Jim Bauer, mm-hmm. who wrote a show called The Blue Flower that I did off Broadway, mm-hmm. and I then I did another project with him at the O'Neill Center, and he 
to this day is one of the most amazing songwriters I've ever worked with. Mm-hmm. And um, I love his stuff so much. And and he his stuff isn't out there in the world, mm-hmm. uh, really, the way it should be. And right. So, you know, then I'm like, yeah, I would love to work with Jim again and just, like, create something that maybe gets more people turned on to what he does. I use examples of his songs in my musicianship class here, and the students are always like, what is this? This is amazing. Yeah. You know, like, so, like, people like that who aren't, like, mainstream right. so to speak but like are amazing yeah. um if you if you're listening to this go buy jim bauer the the, yes. the, the blue flower the, the it's available on itunes and it's amazing it's it's the is a musical like it the, is a musical songs. but it's a very non-traditional musical the orchestra has like pedal steel guitar and accordion and bassoon and it's this like weird like uh, kind of avant-garde show but the music is unbelievably amazing and, you know definitely have to check it out yeah check it out it's cool stuff cool cool so dom i appreciate your time just uh two more questions first question for those out there looking to do what you do or Mm -hmm. or in some realm realm of Mm -hmm. that what would you tell them what advice would you give them or what um just life lessons would you you say to to them yeah um uh i mean the 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 like the i there's two the uh the like simple like very you know black and white kind of um technical thing i would say is most people who do what i do are pianists mm-hmm. um so learn how to play take, piano. yeah learn how to play <laughs> piano to practice between your lessons like you know like the the if you're a great pianist you there's just a, a better chance of doing this work and mm-hmm. that's unfortunate maybe that there's not more more types of musicians represented but just the nature of what we do mm-hmm. is so still kind of based in piano right um and then the other thing uh, you know i hate to keep on going back to it but it's the collaborative element and it's what i i jokingly have said the first class i want all music theater majors who come to uncg to have to take is like you know thr 101 how not to be an asshole like i just i just feel like no matter what area of the theater you're working in if you are likable and a good collaborator it it it, doors open for you so much faster yeah Um, you'd be amazed how much you can get just from being a cool person absolutely absolutely and and i think even more so now like the industry has changed a lot where you know, it used to be kind of cool to be mm-hmm. a jerk, right. you know, particularly if you're a director and you could be like mm-hmm. stormy and throw things and, yeah. and that's really not accepted anymore yeah. and good. It shouldn't be. Right. And so I think the focus is even more on that now. And yeah. so to me, that's the, the, the biggie is just be a good collaborator. Nice. Nice. I actually told a fib. I remembered my other question. Uh-oh. So now it's now two more. Two more. Okay, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> My apologies. But um, so now this question is uh, the caveat of the whole podcast, <laughs> art is life. So what? why is art in your life oh important? Wow, you're, these are hard-hitting <laughs> questions. I was not ready for this. I needed, I needed like a cocktail before this. Um, I wow. like to keep it organic. Yeah. Um, how is art in your life? In like, life how yeah. is it like? important to you or or why is it important to you i mean i think i think to me it's just like the it's the opportunity to 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 make something Mm -hmm. and to make something that that might outlast me you know which like is kind of crazy to think about but you know um 
um, yeah, like that's Creating that legacy. Yeah, and, and I think like how lucky to work in a business where you know I don't know like if I'm like a tax accountant, no no shade, and it reminds me I have to get my taxes done, but <laughs> um, but you know like. I don't think they go home at night and they're like, man, I did those, I did that spreadsheet and mm-hmm. that's like going to be there forever in my right. Excel, you know, right, like it's, right, a, right. it's a different thing. Yeah. A, a creative venture is just like, mm-hmm. it's a very different thing. And, and if, I think if everyone is lucky, they have some sort of creative output. Um, even a tax accountant is hopefully, you know, like loves to read or, you know, mm-hmm. just do like something else that right. feels creative and artistic. But, mm-hmm. um, but as an, as an artist, I think there's just something that you can't, deny that like need to create mm-hmm. you know right. and i think even if i left doing what i am doing i would still have to do something where i felt like i was creating something right you know gotcha gotcha yeah so always being creative yeah yeah Stay thank creative. you you just answered that for me <laughs> in a much more succinct way <laughs> no 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 just yeah just summing it up you know uh so like i said again dom Thank you. Uh, before I ask the first or the last question, how can we uh, get in, stay in touch with you? I should say, like, do you how how what's best to like follow your journey and um, see those? those I mean, I'm those a NDA films. Yeah, films. I, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, I'm a really bad social media person. I mean, I, I'm on like Instagram, but it's all pictures of my children, and I think it's private. Yeah, gotcha, I'm, gotcha. I'm the I'm like just at the end of that generation where you didn't feel like you needed right. any of that stuff, and yeah, you know, I'm, like, feel, I'm feeling like that too because I was because <laughs> I, I I recently just got engaged. Spoiler Yay, alert! Congrats! But um, I was like, yeah, I don't, f- I I hate that I have to be obligated or dictated to to like, post on social media. There, yeah. yeah, like no, I, I just tell people know. you know when it comes up or tell you know my close personal friends. Yeah, because that's what I did when I found out um, I was gonna be having a baby. Another spoiler. Yeah, yeah, spoiler alert. Well, they they know okay, that because yeah. I posted it on Facebook. Okay, okay, okay. But uh, but yes, but I was like, yeah, I posted it on Facebook. But then it was like, I mean, yeah, most of these people, I, like I told the people that that matter that I yeah exactly. Yeah, so. yeah I know. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, social media kind of, um, and um, or, I mean, I, or just like shoot UNCG me an email. UNCG UNCG theater. theater. They'll tell you, <laughs> or shoot me an email. I'll fill you in there. Cool, cool. Do you want to give that out or Dom Amendum at uncg.edu? And I'll put it in the show notes there we as go. well. Thank you, Dom. Um, I appreciate this. Like I said before, uh, final question. Yep. When it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to look like? Ooh. You know, um, that has changed a lot over the last few years. And um, I think. Uh, because you are a parent to be, I will. I would say that my legacy is Marco and Caroline, my two kids. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love creating, and as much as it's an honor to have a Grammy nomination, like all that stuff is awesome and really, uh, you know, cool. But that all could go away tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, and I could do whatever. But um, those two are like that's that's the legacy that's you know so being being part of their lives being present for them making sure they're good people which some days is easier than others um you know like that is that feels like the real work now um and what's incredibly important to me well you heard it there folks (laughs) 
the children are still the future. The children. Amen. <laughs> Dom, I appreciate this. Thank you guys Thank for you. joining us on another episode of Artist Life. And you know how I do. Peace, love, and blessings.